Welcome to the Pink Tax Podcast, a no-nonsense podcast for millennial women, building wealth and smashing the patriarchy, one dollar at a time, with your hosts, Janine and Tara. Hi, Janine. Hey, Tara. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, We kind of have a not so happy topic today, I guess, but I'm still really excited about it. Yeah, I am curious to see which direction this episode takes. Yeah, so um, we're going to talk about the financial implications of divorce and how to protect yourself. Let's jump into it. Okay. So I kind of took a deep dive into this. Uh, Full disclosure, I've never been divorced. Known a few divorced people. Mm, That's basically it. And I've never been divorced either, but, you know, it is something that we've seen increase in our society, Mm -hmm. you know, as millennials have been married for a few years. I think it's probably less taboo than it has been in past generations. Yeah, I think so too. And um, I think a lot of the preparations financially for divorce can actually set you up for a healthier relationship. Um, Not because, you know, you're prepping for the worst case scenario, because you're splitting your finances in a way that's um, healthier, I guess. Yeah, and both parties being involved, there's, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of benefits from that as well. Exactly. And transparency between the two of you and all that stuff. But We'll get into it. So, looked at a few studies. Um, The first one I looked at was by a couple of economists, last names Hung and Knapp for the Rand Corporation, and they studied couples uh, between their 30s and 50s. Um, The takeaway from that was to divorce earlier, unless you're a woman. Early divorce can negatively impact you. Um, Basically, what I found looking through a bunch of different studies was that divorce is always worse statistically for women interesting yeah I was wondering what your thoughts were on why you think that might be yeah I I was kind of a a little bit taken by surprise that divorcing earlier is worse for women are you able to elaborate on why that might be yeah so there were a couple of things so one of the last studies that I looked at was more recent um, by Thomas Leopold and published in 2018 um, and he was looking at the gender differences in divorce Um, and because women are traditionally the lower income earner traditionally the person to stay at home with the kids uh, if you divorce early while you're not working um, that's a, a huge impact, right? Um, you have, uh, it's harder to get back into the workforce. You have higher ex- expenses because you're probably more likely to be the single parent. And on top of that, you're, you don't have any earnings, like prior earnings in the last couple of years anyway, so you don't have anything to fall back on. So I guess what you're saying then, when people are divorcing later, many of those women are back in the workforce kind of after they're finished raising kids? Back in the workforce or at least least they don't have to um, be in the situation where they were taking care of their kids full-time at home and now not only do they have to look at applying for jobs again, they have to look at childcare for their kids. Makes sense. So again, I I think we've touched on this before, but motherhood is a huge penalty for women Mm -hmm. across kind of all aspects of life. Yeah, and I think we 
talked a little bit about the high cost of childcare. So to have that on um, the lower income parent and then the parent who's trying to re-enter the workforce if they're not there already, uh, huge burden. Yeah, huge that is burden. huge to take on mm-hmm. for one parent that you know may have been out of the workforce for a significant period of time. Yeah, and so uh, one of the articles that I read as well by Hine back in 2008 said that the average decline for standard of living, and this was American women, um, is by one-third. Yikes, yeah. that's a yeah. lot. It's, it's huge, especially if you're going to be the person taking care of the kids, uh, if you have kids. So um, the takeaway that I liked the most by the Leopold study, from the Leopold study, was uh, the findings suggest that men's disproportionate strain of divorce is transient, where uh, women's is chronic. And I really liked that. Yeah, I mean, I could see how, especially from a financial perspective, some of those issues would just start to compound over the years mm-hmm. and make it really challenging for women to get ahead mm-hmm. later in life. Exactly. So let's dig into it. Um, as we kind of go through the different stages of relationships, I kind of wanted to touch on the big pieces that will be affected uh, by divorce, but also that just should be talked about within an open relationship. So household debt, household income, uh, child care expenses or support if you are divorced or separated, um, real property, and the costs associated with getting a divorce. So things to consider before you get married or cohabitate. My biggest suggestion right off the top would be to talk openly about your finances and your expectations in terms of career spending investing um, even before you move into the, together because common law relationships they can claim a right to all the assets that have been gained during the time of the relationship. So I was wondering for you, Janine, how did you and your partner approach this? Yeah, we definitely were open with our finances from day one. Um, Prior to my relationship with my, I guess now husband, he was in, in a sense, a little bit of a financially abusive relationship where There was a lot of taking advantage of, and he ended up paying for a lot of things that maybe should have been split equally, especially when they were both students. Um, So we were of the mindset that we would, you know, try and ensure that that didn't happen in our relationship and that there was uh, no resentment when it came to money. So we, you know, we sat down and talked about um, financial implications in our lives. He was living on his own and I was living at my parents' house at the time. So, you know, even before we moved in, we talked about, you know, who would pay for dinner and those types of things because I think it is important. And then I guess as our relationship progressed, we started saving for things together. I think our first purchase together was a KitchenAid mixer and we still have it. So Nice. (laughs) It's lasted. And then, you know, we started saving for vacations. And then at that point, I think we had started talking about moving in and how we would split our expenses. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really good that you talked about everything prior to moving in together. Uh, I think that's a big step that's missed that I've seen in um, friendships and talking to coworkers and that kind of thing. People just seem to move in together and just say, oh, well, we're just going to split the rent to a certain degree. That's how I thought of it when me and my now husband moved in together I thought well okay it's just going to be splitting the rent because prior to that I said I'm not going to move in with somebody unless I'm engaged or that serious that if 
marriage is off the table that you know we would be engaged um we ended up moving in together a lot more quickly than that um but we did talk about finances and what we could afford we were both students at the time um both had very small incomes that kind of thing both knew we were debt averse both knew that we were kind of on the fence about kids I think we talked about kids on our second date um so we just brought a lot of stuff out into the open and um we've just always been really aligned in terms of finances and investing so and I think if you sit down and actually talk about maybe you know the first couple dates you don't talk about kids I know that's maybe not for everyone but even talking about things that are values and priorities to you is having a large sum of money in case something bad happens a priority or is traveling a priority or what are those priorities and I think when we start to dig into priorities and values you will probably have a better understanding of how your partner spends their money I think that is how a lot of relationships end up breaking down is you know money being the number one cause of divorce people just not understanding one person's a spender one person's a saver and they're always butting heads Yeah. And I was going to bring that up too. I mean, if you're not on the same page financially or you can't find a way to compromise and get on the same page financially, um, that's going to be a huge issue going forward. Um, And if you're not the kind of person that can can call your partner out or your partner can't call you out reasonably, um, I know when we were planning our wedding, huge expense, huge cost, a lot of those kind of things came out of the work and we, it really tested us. It made us see, um, you know, where some flaws that we hadn't uh, seen in each other were. Um, so it was great. If you really want to test your relationship, definitely plan a wedding and uh, and at the same time renovate a house, fully get a house. That's what we did. That's a lo- <laughs> that is a lot of financial stress all at once. Yeah, we put ourselves really to the test. Okay, so that's cool. So something that uh, my husband and I have done almost from the beginning, right after we moved in together... Um, we started combining our finances partially. So we had a joint account to pay for rent and other household items. So mops, cleaning supplies, groceries, that kind of thing. It just made sense to us, but we still had our separate accounts. At that point, we still had complete, well, actually we still do have completely separate um, investments and uh, we didn't have any joint debt at the time. now we have joint debt in the form of mortgage. We still have our joint account, which is now our main transacting account. We don't have any joint credit cards. We've always had separate credit. He's an authorized user on some of mine. I'm an authorized user on his. And all our investments are separate except for our kids' RESP. Um, yeah. I think, too, in Canada, there isn't a lot of opportunity to have joint investments, right? Like when we're looking at the TFSA and the RSP, which are most people's main investment accounts, and we'll be talking about this in the next episode, but they do have to be individual accounts. So it's a lot more challenging to have joint investments, I think, in Canada. But you can, you know, even though you're supposed to be the one making the decision in the TFSA and the RSP accounts, you can have it, and I've seen kind of some studies on it where women or the lower income earner do pass off that responsibility to their partner um, and take a step back from it and just say, oh, they'll manage the finances. I'm just going to take a back seat. Um, Even though that is only your money, 
It's literally only your money. Even if you have a spousal RRSP, as soon as that pops into your name, it's yeah, you have a contributing spouse to it. You get to decide what's done with those funds. They're just giving you that money. And they get to take the deduction. Yeah, and they take the deduction, exactly. But yeah, I think that is a very dangerous mindset to get into. And I'm sure we'll talk about this later in the episode, but you know, when divorce does happen and women typically, I hate to stereotype it, haven't been involved in investing, they are now completely overwhelmed or they have no idea how much money they have or maybe their husband or partner has left them in a terrible financial situation and they're broke. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see it a lot where, especially in terms of debt too, you kind of have to know where each other is at, not just on the investment side, but also on the debt side. Because whether or not you're both jointly liable on that debt, if you separate, you are still responsible for that debt, even though it's not in your name. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is huge. And so we'll definitely talk about that as well. So um, the other thing that I wanted to point out, either before you get married or cohabitate or shortly thereafter, start talking about time that you intend to take out of the workforce. So we usually think about this in terms of children. Um, So my husband and I talked about it, like how much paternity leave would you like to take ideally? How much maternity leave would you like to take ideally? Would you like to take any extra years? So we already knew before having our child what we wanted to do in an ideal world. It didn't work out that way where we were career-wise. He couldn't take up uh, take off as much time as he wanted to. I ended up taking a lot more time than I wanted to. Um, and that was just based on income and the jobs that we had at that time. Um, but it was nice to know what our ideal situation, what we wanted it to look like. And we had a bunch of money saved up um, in order to facilitate that too. And I think that's so important that both spouses are involved in that conversation, especially in 2019 with more men taking paternity leave because for things to ultimately get equal in the the workforce and in the uh, financial gaps between men and women, I think men do have to start taking more leave. So it is a, is a great thing to talk about early on. Yeah. And I think just having that plan in place too, if things change, if you realize that the person who wanted to take more time off now is really itching to get back to work um, or if the person who said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to float us. I can definitely handle that needs to take time off. There's a huge mental health portion of having kids and and having that kind of upheaval in your life um, that can not really be planned for, but you can be prepared for. Absolutely. And being flexible, of course, when life hits is, is key. And I mean, kids, I don't have kids, but I have seen how much change they can bring to a family so of course always good to be flexible but yeah talking about those things early on and making sure that there is no resentment again so that down the road you're hopefully I guess avoiding divorce is important Mm -hmm. I think avoiding divorce is hugely important in the short term it's definitely going to negatively impact men from what I've read and the long term going to negatively impact the woman in the relationship we're obviously looking at this like hetero um, but I think even for uh, same gender same sex couples uh, you're going to see the same thing because you're getting joint income joint assets with joint expenses which usually bumps up the asset column lowers your expenses column a little bit 
um, now you're going to have higher expenses and lower income, right? So super important. Uh, The next thing I wanted to bring up was prenups. You could look at this, but basically from what I've seen from what uh, my husband and I looked at before we got married was unless you have a huge number of assets before you go into the relationship, not worth it. And when we're talking huge number, it's probably like in the millions. Yeah, uh, you know, substantial hundreds of thousands we kind of saw. If you have a house and you really want to, you know, protect that investment, if your parents gifted you your down payment, there are other ways to go about protecting that than a prenup. So before we got married, we also looked at a prenup and I think it was kind of up in the air as well. We found that I think I had a bit more um, assets to my name just because I had not lived on my own as long and benefited from working a little bit while I was uh, living at home and same with university. And my partner had a little bit more student loan Mm -hmm. debt. So we kind of figured that it would, in a sense, even it out over the course of our marriage and, and it has. So I think, yeah, when you're looking at whether or not to get a prenup, you really have to have like a large amount of assets yeah and certain type of assets too because something that happened uh while we were already cohabitating is i received an inheritance something good to know is inheritance are fully protected as long as you can track the cash flow so Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. did not know that yeah so don't share your inheritance if you're worried about getting divorced i guess so if you're thinking about divorce or if you're kind of in the middle of your relationship and you've already passed this, definitely have the conversations if you haven't already. Um, but I think uh, sort of attributing a cost or a section of your budget to preventing divorce as well, um, whether that be date nights. My husband and I uh, did that a lot, especially in the first year of our child's birth, the first year and a half it was a struggle it was tough and just being able to go out on our own and talk about adult things revisit uh, where we were uh, emotionally financially or just you know relax and have a beer together was great and worth every penny also uh, marital counseling um, definitely something to consider Uh, even touch base something we heard about a long time ago and now we do is well we were I don't think we've done it in a year but we just kind of every year revisit it and say that we still want to be together we're still here for each other and um yeah we're gonna keep going forward together and I think those check-ins are important to also understand where the other person's at and if you know if you we all have struggles in our relationship and ups and downs Mm -hmm. and you know spending as expensive as counseling is, I think can be incredibly beneficial to increase communication within a couple. And maybe that's all it is. Maybe, you know, it was something very simple that was driving you both nuts and you learn how to handle it. As well, I've seen uh, individuals that are getting divorced go through counseling so that they can actually amicably deal with the breakup, especially when there are kids involved, so that there isn't this animosity and anger with within the couple as they like continue to live together maybe with the kid or as they start to separate um they have like a safe place to go and start to work out what you know living separately looks like yeah and I mean once you have kids it's not as though you're going to be able to write your former partner off you're going to be seeing them for the rest of at least the child's life um and you may have financial implications where one spouse has to pay alimony or child support payments so Mm -hmm. it's really in everyone's best interest to get on the same page financially 
as well as emotionally. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, counseling can be money well spent. I mean, if it's going to be preventing divorce, I'd definitely rather pay the counselor now than pay a lawyer later and split the assets later. As expensive as therapists are, lawyers charge way more per hour. So I definitely agree with you on that one. Yeah. So another thing I threw in here was if you already know you're on the track to separation and divorce, or you just think your partner is not being upfront, look for income and debt mismatches. Like I feel like you know how much your partner is bringing in. You have an idea of what's being spent. If you start to notice that maybe things aren't lining up, it has been known for partners to have hidden savings accounts, um, hidden checkings accounts, or uh, just stash and cash. Um, so definitely look for that. Another thing to look for is perhaps they're struggling with a gambling addiction. That can cause a lot of debt. You are responsible for 50% of that debt. It's horrible, but you will very likely have to take that on. As well, I think it's, again, so important to be involved in your finance in your finances as a couple so that you can you know start to see those discrepancies if there is an addiction whether it be gambling or alcohol or drugs you will start to see you know probably cash withdrawals yeah. for those things if especially if they're embarrassed by I mean if if the, if it's illegal if it's drugs then yeah of course they're going to pay with cash but if it's something that uh, they're embarrassed about maybe gambling or alcohol or whatever you're probably going to start to see a lot of cash withdrawals or, you know, transactions on the credit card. And they might just assume you're not going to look at that, especially yeah. I think, unfortunately, a lot of times men think that women just like aren't paying attention to money. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's not large amounts, uh, it can definitely, um, yeah, get drained pretty effectively. Unfortunately. Yeah, it adds up for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, $20 every couple of days. Yeah. That's a few hundred dollars a month. Yeah. Yeah. So watch your ABM withdrawals. Another thing too, if you're the person who, if you're taking time out from work, uh, if you're staying home with kids, that kind of thing. And something that I thought about when I was on mat leave, think about income streams. So you don't necessarily have to be working to have an income or start building up some sort of security to generate income. That's just something to think about. Also maintaining your own credit history. So If you had a credit card from when you were working, keep it. Even if you don't use it that much, use it occasionally for sure. I wouldn't in this case recommend lowering the limit. I would recommend keeping it even if you know you're never going to use it. Because if the worst happens, you get separated or loss of your partner, you now have no credit facility in just your name. Um, That can be devastating and take years and years and years to build up that credit history. One thing I wanted to jump back to from Mm -hmm. the stash account perspective, and we kind of talked about it more so from the, I guess, perspective of finding your spouse's stash account. Do you ever think it's valuable for, in this case, we'll we'll choose a woman who maybe hasn't been working, doesn't have an income stream. Do you think it is ever valuable if she's wanting to leave a relationship to start pulling money out if maybe she's in a relationship that's not healthy? Yeah, I mean, if you're in a relationship that's not healthy, and I was going to touch on that at the end, we'll definitely be linking to some resources for that. Uh, Regardless of who's controlling your finances or your living situation, or if you feel like you have nothing, uh, your life is not worth more than your 
finances, obviously. So yes, if you're in an abusive relationship, it might be prudent to start squirreling some money away, uh, trusted friend, get some help. There are lots of resources that we'll be able to link to in our show notes. If you're in a regular relationship though, I would not advocate for it. When you go through mediation and if you go to court, you're going to be required to put forward all your banking accounts, all your assets, everything like that. And if you're not willing to do that, you're you're not being ethical, you're not being legally responsible for that. If you're going to be staying at home and you're not going to be the the higher income earner, like talk to your partner about having a separate account that's just in your name, just for you, just for you to draw income off of if something happens. Absolutely. And I mean, you don't want to perjure yourself and that is illegal. So mm-hmm. y- you need to make sure that you're you're staying, you know, in the lines of the law, but also taking care of yourself. And I think, again, if you're not sharing accounts with your, your partner, maybe making sure you do have c- certain accounts in your name that have, you know, a few mm-hmm. thousand dollars just in case. Yeah. Okay. So minimizing the impacts of divorce. I think we've talked about this pretty extensively. Having your own credit cards, having your own investments, uh, having a way to generate income either in thought or in practice. Be involved in your everyday household costs and decision making. And then I guess, yeah, as a as a fallback, I guess it kind of branches off of the stash accounts but have a good support system outside of your marriage know that there are there are financial planning divorce experts it's a whole thing there's also lawyers there's resources that you can get for free that kind of stuff so have a good network outside of your marriage but also know that there are other things that you can fall back on so our pink tax rebate for this one is wherever you're at in your relationship have an open discussion about finances goals and expectations start making plans for the future whether it's a budget for relationship building activities or for planning your exit strategy we hope you enjoyed this week's episode as always please subscribe to our podcast on itunes and leave a five-star review Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to share your money story using the hashtag FemFinances.